0: Okay, Um, so um, as we mentioned on Monday, we have a guest speaker here, um, who is showing up as David B on your uh, screen. And I will, without further ado, let Rishi um, introduce him, since you've all met Rishi before. (laughs)
1: Hi guys. Um, So uh, David uh, is um, someone that uh, I met, through uh, through my mom, actually, um, he has been uh, meditating for over forty-five years. Um, so I think there was uh, kind of a, a like some sense of a camaraderie there, um, having come from you know uh, the the practical tradition that I grew up with, I guess. Um, and David is somebody that has. Uh, I guess who we would consider as uh, enlightened or awakened in I guess most conventional terminologies Um, the way David usually talks about it is, is that consciousness woke up to itself or became aware of itself through the body. Um, And he can probably clarify that a lot better than I can. Um, But uh, he's not somebody that um, is usually considered as like a teacher or a guru. Um, and uh, he has, in in like the activity and, and work of his daily life, has gone kind of the academic route uh, with a seminary PhD in the Vedic sciences, um, and has uh, written a dissertation and and written pretty extensively about uh, kind of. I would say. De- further developing and integrating the the western understanding with uh, uh with these kind of um, descriptions of the the inner workings of consciousness and, and that kind of a thing um uh well i mean i don't know i'll let you <laughs> i think i think uh it' it'll, it'll be a, a, an interesting. Um, it, it was definitely a very interesting thing for me to, to first uh, talk with him, uh, both with the similarities and the, and the differences from, I guess, what you'd expect uh, for someone experiencing that. But I think the, that the, 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 the real, um, I don't know, the, the real rarity and the value is that this is somebody with a, an academic background uh, that can express uh, through that way, but also has the the grounding in the in the experiential kind of awareness and consciousness. Um, so it, 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 to me, it, it was a very like uh, helpful and and uh, clarifying uh, thing. So <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, enough or uh, good. Thank you there for allowing me to do the introduction, Dave.
2: Well, thank you, Jack and Rishi. Um, Yeah, today I want to talk a little bit about the Vedic perspective. That's that's my background, uh, as mentioned. Uh, I've studied uh, Vedic science academically and um, and also uh, experientially. Um, it's essentially a, a perspective out of ancient India, and uh, Veda means uh, knowledge of the nature of life, and it's among the oldest surviving texts in the world. Uh, come out of this tradition. It was originally in. Northwest India. Um, a lot of the stories were considered mythic uh, because the locate, you know, for example, it was described as existing along the Saraswati River, which didn't exist. But they've discovered more recently with um, satellite imaging that there is a dried-up river uh, through that area, and then they discovered large cities uh, in the desert. Uh, there were uh, ancient cities. But the writing they found there has been untranslated. They, they haven't uh, figured out how, how to translate it yet. Um, the Vedic culture has had a profound impact on um, the world even today. Uh, the way we measure space and time uh, go back to this culture. The days of the week, months of the year, hours in a day, <clears throat> degrees in a circle, and so forth that they developed quite a sophisticated uh, set of sciences, medicine, astronomy, mathematics, um, and quite sophisticated. And uh, we continue to get to be surprised by how sophisticated as, as, uh, as it's discovered. Um, but the understanding of a lot of that material is, has been lost. Uh, for example, the, the core Rig Veda, the foundation of the, the Vedic thought, doesn't make a lot of sense. when you read it really it just sounds like a you know a bunch of mythological stories and things but actually it's an encoded it's encoded experiences you see it's written in Sanskrit and Sanskrit is this ancient language where the the sound of the words and the meaning uh, are aligned The, the sound that creates the form and the meaning it's all tied together and so essentially someone who's uh, clearly awake on refined level, where uh, the world is uh, a field of vibration just becoming. If you listen to these stories on that level, you can actually have the experience of the original uh, seer uh, that uh, wrote the wrote the text. So, like I say it's it's their encoded experiences, um, which make a lot more sense when they can be experienced directly. Um, the Vedic tradition was oral for thousands of years, um, but as they describe in the in the Vedic tradition, the uh, texts are uh, the, the uh, time moves in in vast cycles, like seasons. So we have uh, age, golden ages, and silver and bronze and and uh, iron ages, essentially what as the Greek described, the Greek uh, Greeks uh, described it these vast cycles of time where consciousness rises and falls. And we went through a a long period of of descent. um, uh, And uh, the sage uh, Vyasa uh, could see the the coming uh, Dark Age. And so he wrote down the texts to preserve them. And some of them were still lost, but uh, the core texts and uh, many others uh, have been preserved. He organized the the Rig Veda into the form it is in today. We know it today. Um, Gathering together the the experiences or the the cognitions of these various sages into an organized format. Uh, Later in the tradition, uh, we we have Vasishta, who was the the teacher of Prince Rama uh, in the epic story of the Ramayana. Uh, but probably the biggest influence on modern indian thought is adi shankara uh, he brought out the sanata dharma he had his disciples his key disciples uh found four seats of learning in india in the north south east and west he revived the monastic tradition that had um, had uh, faded and um, brought out vedanta as uh advaita or Non duality, which you may have heard of today. Today's uh, modern neo Advaita is not really what Shankara was pointing to, though, um, and it kind of ignores his later teaching, um, uh, where he got into more of the uh, refinement and uh, of the process of the unfolding uh, enlightenment. But the key with all of this stuff is application. Philosophy has little value unless we can live it you know you can certainly develop really interesting concepts and and beliefs but by itself that's just mind it's just like a dream you know value it's it's kind of an idea and and it can certainly be a strong filter through which we experience the world but it's it's still not grounded in reality basically and uh, faith, on the other hand, uh, can culture the heart, but both need to be grounded in our higher nature or we, we get tossed around by the events of life and it's very hard to sustain uh, our faith, our uh, sense of reality when life changes, as it always does. So this is where, where the key, uh, one of the key aspects of uh, the Vedas uh, come in, and that is application what is the means of developing uh, this unfolding so that uh, you can come to a place of, of um, living uh, uh, these ideas. Now, when I use the term yoga, this, this is the means in, in Vedas, you probably think of some somebody doing stretching exercises or a yoga studio somewhere. Um, and they often talk in terms of control and, uh, values of force and concentration uh, in modern interpretations of yoga however it's the actuality is kind of the opposite it's about letting go of control and uh, allowing um, and uh, letting life itself move through you as opposed to trying to control Um, it's the ego the identified ego that thinks that i am this individual person and i am separate from other people um, that creates uh, issues with with uh, our experience of life and, and tends to cause us to have uh, difficulties and, and challenges. Uh, whereas if we can experience our deeper nature, our universal nature, then uh, our experiences are put in a much larger context and we can unfold, we can uh, soften those, the attachment to the, the ego and um, uh, open up to our... Uh, to a fuller value of this. And then with direct experience, uh, philosophy becomes lived rather than theoretical. They have a a term in the Vedic tradition, uh, Atman, which means the self with a capital S. It's essentially our cosmic nature or universal nature. Um, I have a quote here from the Katha Upanishad The Upanishads are kind of excerpts from the larger texts, uh, the Reader's Digest version, so to speak. Taught by an inferior man, this self cannot easily be known, even though often reflected upon. Unless taught by one who knows him as none other than his own self, there is no way for him, for he is subtler than the subtlest, beyond the range of reasoning. So beyond the mind, uh, beyond the, the content of experience, the, the self is that which is doing the experiences and is also the essentially the screen on which experiences are unfolding. Of course, this is taking a perspective that consciousness itself is fundamental, that the world we experience around us arises in consciousness, as do we ourselves. And uh, just as Christianity has developed branches over time, so too, this has happened in India, but even for a longer period of time. So there's this vast array of philosophical approaches. The core uh, Vedic approach, uh, there's a set of six philosophies. um, The darshana's, uh, of which yoga is one, Vedanta Vedanta is another. Um, These are sometimes thought to be competing philosophies. But in actuality, they're uh, perspectives of the different stages of development. And so each of them has validity in its own time. Now, today, um, the philosophies and and religions of India are kind of lumped under, excuse me, Hindu, um, which is essentially a name given by the English to group it all together, uh, including things that are not necessarily related. now it may seem otherwise but it is essentially a monotheistic perspective there's variation on that but broadly um, there is considered to be one god or one reality with many expressions and so you can follow the expression uh, or the embodiment that you favor but again uh modern india's expression is kind of superficial um buddha uh, Came along and and uh, you'll be hearing about that. I understand, um, and he basically got rid of all the all the ritual and the and the, uh, the belief structures and stuff, and came back to the the core again. Uh, this is something that's happened uh, around the world over the centuries, uh, over the ages, where someone is not just enlightened, but they have an understanding of the means of uh, bringing it to other people as well Uh, this is this is quite rare and so this person comes forward and helps enlighten other people and a a group develops but what tends to happen after about three or four hundred years is that the core understanding that means is lost and so the it just becomes um a set of concepts or a philosophy and then degrades further into uh belief um, without a means and this has happened the world over it's it it happened with the vedic uh, understanding it happened with uh, in buddhism uh and uh, I, I believe it's the same with christianity as well where jesus brought out a means um but uh, that means was lost in time and uh, degrades into belief and and dogma. And so periodically someone comes forward again, Uh, but we're now in a time, um, a rising age, where uh, the means is being brought forward. Uh, Many more people are waking up. It's nowhere near as rare as it was even a decade ago. And um, some of those are people who have been meditating for a long time, like myself. And some of those are, are people who have a, a longer-term history prior to this life, <laughs> um, that uh, they're bringing that forward and, and uh, apparently waking up without uh, practices and so on. And as, as the collective consciousness rises from more and more people uh, doing appropriate practices and, um, and waking up, it's kind of we lift all boats, so to speak. The entire collective is is um, is raised up, and um, we move towards uh, what a predicted golden age. Um, in the West, we tend to think of our current time as the peak of of evolution and as a technological civilization, and that. But uh, from a Vedic perspective, we're actually rising out of a darker age because we lost uh, that sense of our our uh, universal self and and our interconnection uh, and our essential nature Um, and what we're what's happening now is that we're returning to that and interestingly enough though um, technology like we're using today is helping facilitate that Uh, many spiritual teachers for example are are now doing retreats online in using the same kind of technology and uh, allowing uh, people to sit with the spiritual teachers and have what they call darshan, which is essentially exposure. Um, There are occasional people who um, wake up on their own spontaneously, but the vast majority of people wake up through exposure to uh, someone who is awake. They call this darshan. Um, Essentially, um, the self its the self within that universal nature um that wakes up to itself and but this has never happened in our history history of our soul you could say and so we have no uh we have no example no experience to to point to it so uh but when we spend time with when we culture the ground and prepare and then spend time with someone who is awake it's that same self that's waking up and so the opportunity comes for uh that self to wake up to itself um, by recognizing itself through someone who's awake. <laughs> if that makes sense,
1: would it would it be helpful for uh, questions or or something like that to kind of uh, guide you on your topics or?
2: Yes, that's that's actually what I was about to suggest. Okay, <laughs> um,
1: I was I was going to ask um, since you mentioned. Um, about uh both practical application and like background in the in the vedic um like study uh would you want to talk about a little bit um what what kind of spiritual practices uh you had in this life and what what um i don't know the significance of that in in terms of either connection to the enlightenment process or is this something you would want to talk about that yeah
2: Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, the key, from a practical standpoint, is um, culture in the ground, essentially, so that we're we're uh, capable of of shifting, but also uh, so that when the shift happens, um, that it's a smoother process. Uh, so we're you know we don't we're, we've done the the sufficient purification and and preparing the ground. Um, sometimes you see examples of people who shift um, without that preparation and it tends to be a a bumpier time. Eckhart Tolle famously spent two years sitting on a park bench, you know, trying to figure out what happened, (laughs) Um, uh, for example. So um, here I uh, developed i developed an interest in basically i started reading about uh, brain physiology and stuff at that time they were coming out with with uh, books on right brain left brain you know uh how the brain worked and stuff and that of course leads to uh consciousness the topic of consciousness and reading about that and then that led to uh, the topic of meditation and i ended up uh learning tm transcendental meditation and um and then in order you know i took some classes and stuff that they had available at the time uh, but in order to go to go deeper um, you needed to basically teach, learn to teach the meditation and go on a course it was essentially a, a, a six-month retreat in, in uh, off-season hotels in europe and um, so basically i spent a bunch of time doing extra meditation and 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 doing deep study of, of the, the background and. Um, it took me much more into the uh, vedic perspective although it's something i've been studying uh, a good part of my life um, i did do kind of a siddhartha thing though where where um, i spent a lot of time in spiritual practice and very focused and there was a lot of uh, unfolding while i was on that um, uh, on the, the the course um a couple of things happened. One one is that the the witness came online and essentially what that means is the observer value of consciousness woke up. It didn't wake up to itself. So it wasn't a spiritual awakening or self-realization in that kind of sense, but it did become alert. So essentially there's this observer quality um, of consciousness that's awake and witnessing all of experience. um, And so what you're experiencing day-to-day, but it also witnesses dreams and deep sleep. So there's kind of a a value of awakeness even in uh, deep sleep. And then um, related to that, kind of the lights came on, so to speak, and I began uh, experiencing the um, subtle structures of um, the world around us, um, the nature of how the world comes to be and so on like that. Um, there's a lot there though so it, it takes <laughs> uh quite a bit of time for that to because there's kind of the, the experience and then there's the time that mine takes to unpack all that and 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 come to some uh come to some understanding um and then um basically life called me to do some more grounding essentially i didn't didn't see this at the time but but um, um i ended up starting a career and uh, a family and and all that stuff and got very involved in the world still continued to meditate and and there was still unfolding going on but it, it became a little bit more in the background and not quite quite so prominent in my life and then um i guess around 2005 um i'd been i was working in it and uh software development um managing the development and, and uh, distribution of, of web applications for the construction industry. And, um, the life I was living kind of basically fell apart. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, the job, it became clear that, that the company, uh, was never going to make any money the way it was, uh, the way it was structured at the time. Um, and um, the, the company—I was the first employee of the company—and uh, did all the early design work, and then hired developers and so on, like that. And the company kind of had a number of bad habits uh, that that revolved around me. And um, it—and then it, it, because I was working a lot, a lot of hours, it was uh, that was having a negative influence on my marriage and and so forth. So there's just a whole series of, so I made the decision to step back, step out of the company, um, but that actually ended up ending my marriage. And and so the whole series of things that the life that I had been living uh, fell away. And then the spirituality moved forward again. Just uh, old friends from the, the early days uh, showed up in my life again and, and, um, um, and then the opportunity came up. I, I connected with an old friend again. And it turns out he'd woken up and was doing spiritual teaching. And the um, and self finally woke up to itself here. And, uh, and I guess because of the long term uh, preparing the ground I've been witnessing for 30 years, something like that, um, then the next few stages came fairly quickly. And it's interesting to reflect on now because it's life kind of created these circumstances where not only was there unfolding here, but I was exposed to a lot of other people uh, who were unfolding also. And so I saw a lot of examples of the unfolding and and the variations and various concepts I had to throw out that turned out to be inaccurate or or weren't as fixed as I thought, you know, that they were more flexible and variable. and uh it it taught me a lot about the process um and through the academic study I, I found um some cortex which which uh brought out deeper um deeper understanding of the process and and uh, opened up the perspectives a little bit and so the result was uh you know i, I wrote a book and dissertation and so on stuff on the stages and um of enlightenment, um, based on what I was, you know, the the core understanding from, Vasishta uh, I mentioned uh, early on, uh, in the Ramayana. Uh, but, um, but uh, how is it being experienced today?
1: I have a a question, David. I yes. think uh, kind of on that point. Um, do you think it would be helpful? I was wondering maybe if. Um, if you would want to give um, maybe some uh, maybe talk a little bit about on both the kind of quality of experience uh, changes that kind of coincide with uh, consciousness waking up to itself and like so what 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 changes in the in the quality of experiencing and what and maybe a little bit just maybe touch on uh, what what is not a quality of experience? Kind of a change. Does that does that, is that question well, make sense?
2: Yeah, um, okay. it's it's pretty okay. variable. Fundamentally, okay. what what happens is there's that shift from experiencing yourself as an individual person to experiencing yourself as universal consciousness. So you become unbounded and infinite. And however, it you know when people hear about some of this stuff it sounds kind of flashy and and um and distinctive but what most people uh, one of the first things that happens after the shift is is people will like be really surprised because it's perfectly normal and ordinary you know that they it just it's like nothing changed it's still the same person still the same laws of nature that are functioning here um but the perspective changes essentially. So you're experiencing, instead of you're being, uh, experiencing it as a me who's in the middle of it all, you're kind of, you kind of step back and, and have a more, uh, a, a bigger perspective, a larger perspective. And so what tends to happen then through experiencing life and going through the usual things we do and going to work and relationships and all that, um, we experience them from the changed perspective and then there's a kind of a um, unpacking, um, there's a lot of that can, un, you know, happen prior, um, you know, if you have a good spiritual practice, but um, because you're essentially now awake within you're essentially meditating 24 seven, because you're always in the in in the in Samadhi, essentially, it's, it's, uh, it's there all the time. And so, uh, there's a lot, lot to the processing it tends to be faster and deeper and, and so on like that. So, you know, you'll basically be going through life and some story comes up in the mind, but now because you're in a broader perspective, it's like, Oh, that's what I believe. Well, that's nonsense. And, and you can throw it out, but it was just automatic before. And you weren't, you know, just unconscious and automatic. Whereas now, uh you're more conscious essentially, and so the, the stuff can come up and leave. And And uh, when um, difficult circumstances come up, instead of just being purely reactive, we start to learn to uh, more thoroughly to uh, allow and process and complete whatever is coming up so that we're not resisting life and we're not being uh, reactive the same way. So it's kind of like the awakening itself is like that it's just there's just a recognition it takes just a fraction of a second but the unpacking and the integration of that in our daily life that takes place over time Um, the old texts talk about in terms of uh, 10 to 12 years to integrate um, fully uh, just because that's how long it takes to go through the process and live your life and uh, in a normal kind of way Um, but the benefits start pretty much right away and there's a kind of a winding down of uh the concept of karma karma means uh action Um, and essentially when we act in harmony with life then uh the the action completes but when we uh act in a way that's a little disharmonious with with life we're resisting in some way or or trying to grasp at life in some way uh it creates a kind of uh unresolved, uh, some unresolved energy, uh, so to speak, uh, incomplete action. And so it kind of creates a tendency then for that unresolved experience to come up again in our life at some point, uh, sometimes quickly and sometimes uh, over time. So we may notice certain repeating patterns in our life, for example, where we always seem to find the same kind of girlfriend or same kind of boss uh, that we have trouble with. uh, uh that's, that's essentially there's a pattern that's that's uh hasn't resolved itself so when we <clears throat> uh, step out of being in that it's much easier to to just allow it to be and and to let it go so over time our life gets simpler and more settled and uh the drama kind of settles out uh and challenges and so on um but we continue being a person and having uh those experiences of you know the the, the karma we came in with uh in this life and that's a whole other kind of topic but there's kind of like um um, awakening has this um we tend to produce a lot more unresolved experiences than we resolve in a lifetime and so over time uh those uh unresolved experiences build up as a kind of backlog when we uh clearly awaken uh that and that identification with the me ends, it kind of breaks, it's said to roast the seeds of, of karma, it, it the mountains of karma, um, it uh, breaks that uh, connection to it, and, and so they can resolve. However, the sprouted seeds that are unfolding in this life, they continue to, to unfold through... The lifetime and on uh, that, so we still someone who's awake still has challenges, still has uh, ups and downs, and so on like that. But they're experiencing it from a different perspective, so it makes life quite a bit smoother and and uh, and easier. And
1: and that's and that's where I guess people would talk about uh like the like these flowery language or or descriptions of you know uh, big states of peacefulness and bliss is that is
2: that where you're yeah yeah so Ananda, for example is the way they talk about the vedas um, buddhism uses the word nirvana Um, but now one of the things that unfolds if there's refined perception is unfolding is uh, a recognition that it's not just the surface experience and consciousness but there's these kind of layers of experience so we have um, the physical experience uh, our emotional, our emotions, our, our thoughts, um, the intellect, intuition level. And then there's what's known as the celestial or the bliss body. Um, and that's the same thing as that fine vibration I was talking about, where if you experience on that level, uh, that's where things were first becoming. And when you experience that subjectively within that's experienced as bliss. Now the world around us is being recreated in every moment. And so that fine vibration is going on all the time. And uh, there's a, a whole long list of quali- qualities. I've done articles on, on just listing the qualities of that of that uh, layer. Um, but when when the, the emotions in the mind are settled enough and uh, there's been enough healing, then that, that quality of inner happiness becomes ongoing. Now, it varies somewhat. Um, Sometimes uh, it can be really uh, uh, almost overwhelming, um, We just like we're uh, drowning in bliss, so to speak. And sometimes it's just kind of uh, just there in the background and, and uh, as we're busy living our life. Um, but it's, it's essentially, uh, you know, the, the, uh, most people are living their life in their thoughts, Emotions and the physical world, the, the surface three, um, but if you look at the the deeper layers, the consciousness, um, the uh, where consciousness first starts structuring, and then that finest um, celestial level with the bliss body, those three uh, are known as sat, chit, and ananda. Uh, those are the qualities of those three subtle levels. So it's kind of like the same functionality is there. It just we shift. From being uh, in the body mind to being in uh, consciousness bliss, um, and the body mind is still there and functioning, but it's not—it's uh, uh, not as uh, dominant.
0: So, any of you can ask questions. You know.
2: Yes.
1: Is there—is there a way that you've noticed? Uh, Wait, let me get my question right uh, from your from your experience and your understanding of everything how do you how do you recognize someone
2: else's awaken um well it depends there's what i refer to as resonance um and uh, so we individually will tend to resonate with with some people and not with others with some teachers and not with others um and there's some superficial things you can say, well, you know, someone might prefer an academically oriented teacher. Someone may prefer uh, a, a more heart-based teacher or, or something like that. But but there's kind of like a deeper value of, of resonance. And we're going to tend to uh, get the most results with, with, a, with somebody we resonate with. Um, now, fundamentally, when someone wakes up, it's the same self that's woken up. And so when there is some value of resonance, um, then you, it's, you know, you're meeting yourself, so to speak, um, when you meet someone like that. Um, but um, as you go through the the, the uh, stages of enlightenment, uh, you're becoming increasingly universal. And so the resonance becomes more and more universal. So you may not resonate with someone and may not know whether they're awake or not. And uh, where someone else may be quite obvious to you, whereas uh, as they move through higher stages of enlightenment, it becomes more and more obvious. And just because it's the same, it's the same. They're, they're living from the same reality, and it's kind of like there's a, uh, yeah, a resonance. <laughs> it, you, it's a feeling essentially. Thank you. Sure. That relates to Darshan. Yeah, it's not it's not a an introductory kind of. I mean, I'm introducing the the, the, the my Vedic perspective, but it's um, um yeah I'm not I'm not a light <laughs> a light perspective of, of it. Uh, I like to try and go in there and, and talk about the the deeper nature because um, that's really what it's all about
3: if, if uh, I've got a question yes if, when you when you're working towards uh, and, and, and in a serious meditation uh, program do you work out all the shadow all of the you know the unconscious parts, that are the negative aspects of yourself that uh, you're not aware of, is that part of the process of reaching enlightenment? Yes.
2: Yes. Um, That's an an interesting uh, question, (laughs) actually, too. There's kind of the obvious level. um, And the essential teaching of yoga is what they call samadhi. And samadhi is essentially going beyond the, the, the emotions in the mind and into, into our deeper nature as consciousness. And that helps culture that value and uh, and cultures the nervous system to be able to support that, that experience more. It also helps with the purification and clearing those negative things. However, I have found that most people uh, in the West uh, require some supplemental work, so to speak. Um, um, and so I, I do, uh, also recommend, um, some quality of energy healing, essentially where not some form formal fancy stuff, but just essential, uh, essentially, uh, emotional awareness and simple techniques to, um, allow those, uh, negative influences to, to, uh, resolve themselves. And, um, um, and support that process because the habit uh, so often is of resistance, and we're not really recognizing that. It becomes much more obvious after awakening, where we've been we've been uh, resisting uh, our experience in some way, and that can actually include seeing qualities uh, of ourselves as as negative. Uh, for example, in my own uh, in my own case, uh, I viewed I have a strong intellect. And I, I viewed that as a negative spiritually. It was because the strong mind kind of gets in the way sort of thing. I, I thought it was something I had to get rid of. But in actual fact, it, it's, it was innate. And I realized that even in the midst of profound spiritual experiences, it was in there and uh, part of the process. And so what I what I needed to, to shift was actually the, my relationship with it. Um, and, uh, a, I guess you could say a quality of self-acceptance. Um, and it's interesting, um, too. you know, for me, there was things that I assumed would fall away, uh, with awakening and things that, uh, I would, I would maintain, but what those, and sometimes ta- in some cases that, that did happen with things. Um, but in other cases, I was surprised to find that, that, um, for example, my interest in, in playing musical instruments fell away, which I would have thought was a positive thing, but it, it turns out it was driven more by you know family influences. Uh, I still really enjoy music, but that that um, the performance part uh, fell away. Uh, whereas there's other kinds of things that are, um, like I mentioned about the strong mind that I thought would fall away, but actually have gotten stronger. <laughs> and and it's kind of interesting too a lot of people see uh the think that made that, that with uh, enlightenment that emotions disappear uh, some you become somehow a, a, a vulcan or something uh, but the opposite it's actually it, it, they're freed up it's a it's a liberation it's a liberation of all aspects of the the person and so uh emotions become uh fuller and and uh richer and uh more profound uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... Um, there's a lot of expectations, that, that uh, especially if you study this, this stuff for a while, um, you develop a lot of expectations about what it's supposed to be. And, uh, but the actuality for... And, and, and the trick is, one of the things that I found really interesting to realize was that from a cosmic level, consciousness is aware of itself globally and at every point. And essentially, each of us are one of those points. Uh, soul, you could you could say, or jiva, and we're essentially each designed to have our own perspective of reality, because reality knows itself globally already, but in order for it to know itself in all the details, it takes these forms, and uh, and apparent apparent persons. Uh, and each of us have different combinations of laws of nature and different, uh, a, a somewhat different perspective. And it's through all of us together that we uh, unfold the fullness of reality. So each of us has a unique perspective. And so our experience of the process and experience of life is going to be a little different. We're going to have our own take on it. And that's actually what we're bringing to the whole. It's our contribution. Um, yeah, so it's it's not that we're all supposed to have the same experience. It's <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> but interestingly enough, we do have that 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 uh, global uh, universal value in common, so we can still uh, have a shared reality and and uh, um, and communicate <laughs> about our experience.
0: I have a question, since you. Uh... Since you mentioned playing musical instruments, it's something I've been mulling over lately. And the, from, in, in in my experience, there seem to be very few people who talk about, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this from the standpoint of beauty, right? And the, the the very few of the, like the only character that comes to mind that I'm familiar with is Rupert Spira talks a bit about beauty and I think that's probably because of his background as an artist. Um, Muji also was a, a an artist in his background but he seemed I've never heard him talk about beauty but there, there's there's something interesting to me about right like we 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 do seek what is beautiful either through painting or sculpting or music or what have you and I, I wonder if you could say something about that because there, there's a sense in which that seems to come from something deeper within us looking for expression but finding the expression returns it back to itself
2: yes exactly that's kind of another way of saying what i just said um it's uh yeah one of the things to, to understand about the process um is that there's essentially two parallel processes taking place um one of them is the process of of consciousness waking up to itself and uh, unfolding in this progressively deeper levels. And there's a series of stages in, in that process of waking up of the, the witness or observer value and then the waking up of the, of the behind the world value and the two coming together and so forth. That's a whole other uh, conversation. But um, those are stages of unfoldment of consciousness to itself. And it's, this is often described as the Shiva or the masculine uh, value of, of uh, consciousness, but there's also this other side, the feminine, um, and these aren't gender things I'm talking about here, it's, it's fundamental qualities of, of consciousness. The feminine, which is the expression, the world itself, um, uh, nature, um, uh, it's put in a, another uh, number of ways, uh, the shakti, and um, uh, this is the, the means for consciousness to know itself, uh, and this is much more about refinement of perception and the awakening heart. And this is kind of, it's a progressive where uh, consciousness, uh, the stages in consciousness are sudden shifts and then progressive integration. Um, the stages uh, of, of the heart are progressive development to a climactic shift. Um, and um, and so they're kind of, these two processes are kind of inter, intertwined in the unfolding. Um, but in the West, there's a lot less, we're more repressed emotionally. Um, and uh, now and this is a lot less of that kind of expression. It's a lot more healing um, uh, on that level that, like Gail brought up um, to, uh, to allow that unfolding to take place. And so you see a lot more, you know, like in modern Advaita circles, uh, there's a lot it's more dry expression they talk only about consciousness in many cases and uh, only about that those masculine qualities. And any talk about an awakening heart or refined perception is considered to be a distraction and, and, uh, uh, or, or a problem in some way or something. Whereas actually it's, it's part of a balanced process. Now again, everybody is, is different and they're going to be a different mixture. Um, some people are, have a rare number of people, but some people do have a lot of uh, refined perception kinds of things going on um but without that inner grounding in consciousness they tend to be tossed around by life's experiences and it's a more challenging kind of experience of life um and uh whereas uh someone who's who's only on the consciousness side of the the equation uh tends to have a much drier flatter uh, kind of style so the ideal is is to culture both and uh so that's why i mentioned about uh Uh, energy healing for example uh, because it's a way to help heal the the, uh, emotional energetic kinds of dynamics Um, most people in the west have kind of a actually a black crust around their uh, heart chakra uh, uh, as a defense essentially uh, because the uh, the world is uh, energetically harsh on with with the uh, fine feelings but once you're once you're grounded in in that universal nature uh, you know like the texts talk about water cannot burn it nor fire or fire cannot burn it no water wet it, or, uh and so forth it's um it's uh it creates a, a stable platform for a lot of development to happen one of which is is the awakening uh, heart and the shedding of the crust and and uh, opening to universal values of love and compassion and, and, uh, and so forth. Um, so there there not that, that, uh, uh, creates the, the boundary for beauty to be, uh, recognized and expressed in a much fuller way. And that, cause that's the key if, for beauty to be, uh, recognized that we, we have to be willing to feel. And, and so if our heart is kind of cramped, it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder to, to uh, feel uh, richly and, and uh, without limit.
0: Cool. Thank you.
2: Um, I have a uh, question
1: about practices. <clears throat> so from when you were an observer to now, someone that's experiencing, how have your practices changed?
2: um well i i continue to practice the same meditation but the experience is quite different now um before awakening there was transcending they call it um uh, essentially uh the settling of the of the activity of the emotions in the mind and 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 stepping down into a deeper nature it was kind of foggy at first but gradually got clearer um but it's basically going beyond the mind and we're transcending, hence the the name transcendental meditation. And um, I I believe this is the sen- essential style that that uh, is talked about in the in the Vedic tradition. Um, it comes out of the Shankara uh, Shankara's tradition, and um, the, the the key is with yoga and with with um, with meditation is effortless. So you're not uh, uh, you're not trying to control the process. You're, you're shifting from your individuality into, into your your broader nature. And those more subtle, you know, I mentioned before about the bliss body, those more subtle levels are, are more charming and and so on. And so when when we um, begin a practice that doesn't uh is not uh constraint, doesn't constrain us to the mind by trying to control, the mind will naturally settle into within because those subtle levels are are more charming uh, more universal and um and then the result is samadhi the touching into our deeper nature as as consciousness and again it's can be pretty uh vague at first but over time um as we clear the clear the way the the, clear the dust so to speak um it becomes uh clearer and clearer um and uh and then that kind of prepares the ground and, and sets the stage for the, the shift. But so after we wake up there, there isn't transcending cause we're already there. Um, so it's more what uh, some would call presence. It, it's, it's kind of basically shifting from having the, the mind and senses focused outwards on, on things around me around and you know what I'm doing or whatever it's closing the eyes and the attention falls within. And so it just, it's like dropping the world instead of, instead of, uh, transcending, becoming just settling into the essential nature. But but you know, it's uh, it gets more and more broad. Kind of the deeper the state you go on the stages, the more uh, universal it is. I mean, self-realization, that initial awakening feels very universal. It feels like it's infinite and eternal, and in, in its nature it is. Um, but there is a great deal more that can it can go bigger and, and more universal <laughs> and uh, deeper in its process.
0: More questions? Anybody?
1: Uh, yeah, I actually had one. So whenever I hear people talk about the uh, the Vedic studies, they always talk about it as like this insurmountable lifelong journey. You know, ten thousand pieces of literature, but uh. I was just wondering, like, where, where do you recommend, like, first first step on the journey?
2: Well, I guess I would, for a first step, I would recommend the means that that you have some value of 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 uh, samadhi going on, so that it's you're developing the direct experience, and then you support that with study, um, and um, a lot of. A lot of what's taught of eastern philosophy is on that level of concepts um and many of the western western teachings are um uh, essentially conceptual uh interpretations of another culture and times concepts and so there's kind of like there's another layer of of uh uh to it that's um I wouldn't say misleading exactly, but it's 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 just still in the, on the level of the mind, and so yeah, a, a practical application where where you're culturing that and then uh, study it. So there are places where where uh, uh, that are more aligned with with you know what I would consider the 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 actual traditional understanding, um, which not as common even in India, but um, they are around, uh, and you know, and there are uh, Quite uh, amazing teachers out there, Um, and and then there's you know it kind of depends. I mean there there's certainly the the teachings aren't you know confined to the Vedic tradition. Um, The uh, uh, there are you know teachers from all cultures who, who are essentially teaching the same thing what appeals to me personally, why, why the Vedas appeals to me is because that, you know, the light, I mentioned the lights coming on early on, and I started experiencing, um, these, the subtle structures of, of, uh, the world. That's not, uh, typical necessarily. Everybody has their own process and some people are, are more visual. Um, like a friend of mine, uh, is very, uh, aware of the, uh, emotional mental and uh intellect structures and uh, where people are constrained in some way um they're a professional energy healer um that led to that whereas my emphasis has been uh subtler and they're more on the level of a feeling value whereas i'm more visual and um and other people are more uh, audio, so that they'll relate to it and, and bring out different values and different understanding uh, from uh, different perspectives. Um, and so, from, but for me, because uh, there was a lot of visual experience, uh, not very many traditions go into the, those details. So that's where the Vedic tradition uh, really appealed to me. They talk like, you know, the first big one here was, was what's known as Haranya or the golden egg, essentially it's experiencing the universe from the outside and and how it comes to be. And um, I don't know any other tradition except the Vedic tradition that talks about that. And it talks about it quite widely, quite a bit. So uh, that's where, for me, uh, with my style unfolding, the Vedic tradition uh, appealed a great deal. Um, And it was only later in life that I managed to study it uh, academically more uh, formally. Um, uh, but I did. But I have, except for when I had a young family and stuff, uh, I, it, it was a part of my life in various ways uh, through there. And I can say, you know, the sources now um, are so much better. I, I can recall going into the the uh, stacks. They called it of the library at the the nearby university to step, you know, look up stuff, find some books on this stuff and that. And a lot of the translations were other people who. Didn't have good grounding in English, and so they were hard to <laughs> hard to read from that standpoint. Or they were English interpretations, like like uh, many of the early Vedic texts were translated by a German fellow named Max Muller, who viewed it as as essentially a bunch of mythological fairy stories, and and brought that interpretation to it, and then the early English translations were were based on his translation, and so. You know the the foundational understanding wasn't there and uh so a lot of the early texts are not uh very cleanly translated so yeah so the the the, the first thing you want to do is, is develop the means and then uh and then because knowledge by itself you know has limited value um whereas if you have have the of, of this kind of thing um whereas if you have uh that uh qualities of experience going on, then you can use the knowledge to to support that.
3: I've got another question. Um I've been more in the Buddhist uh, practice and I've taken yes. the Kali chakra initiation, which is the Buddhist path, but my the ricochet that did that I received the initiation from uh, is in Australia and uh, I in the United States there's not a lot of appreciates that are working on enlightenment <laughs> or, or the college opera, uh path um and now he has an online program but i'm I, I realize I mean I know it's an individual, Uh, path. Everybody has to find their path. And I'm not wedded to, I mean, and they're all, like you say, it's, it's, they're all pointing the same direction. Uh, So anyway, I guess my question is if you, from the United States, what, what, where is a good program that, so that you've got some structure, although, you know, the work you've got to do to understand that part.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's actually an interesting thing because I I um, for some some people have a single path through their life. They find a the teacher and they take them through the whole process. Um, other people uh, will have a sequence of of teachers. Uh, that's happened here, for example. Uh, they're all uh, in a related tradition, um, but um, they've had different roles at different times in my life when when, when they were needed. Um, and sometimes we're kind of, we're in a place where there's kind of a, you know, we've been used to the, a certain approach for a while, and we're kind of getting pushed to, to change. Uh, but, you know, we're not, we're resisting that in some way. And sometimes, you know, we're kind of, um, there's people I, I, I recall back in the early days where there, I knew people who would go to all the different teachers. Whenever somebody came through town, they'd go and listen to it. And and they're kind of like um, trying to cherry pick, but not really committing to anything. Not really. uh, uh, Because, you know, I I get that with my blog. Sometimes people send me questions. And sometimes I'm getting uh, people who are, they're trying to compare two completely different paths and trying to figure out which is right whereas um they're not necessarily compatible in that kind of way and in in some ways you you need to uh, it's not universally true but for a lot of people this tends to be about making a commitment to to something that resonates with them and that works for them um but it's uh um you know the the tm organization um they do have um, a whole uh they they have tm centers and they have various courses and and uh, they have online classes i mean it's based in the vedic uh tradition um but it's kind of been secularized for for the west and um they have various uh, classes that are online and and they have a university in in iowa uh that's where i got my uh master's um um, I I went there basically because they they have you know like the guy that wrote the textbooks on Sanskrit was uh, uh, one of, is their Sanskrit professor you know the, the the ones they use at most the major universities um, and uh, and they had this this understanding it wasn't just on the level of of uh, theoretical but you know like as you undoubtedly have experienced any spiritual organization that's going to have uh, dynamics and egos in play and and uh um and so you know you, the, the key is is um finding what's of value to you and um and not getting caught caught in the dramas and the and the um uh, uh the politics i guess you could say um yeah so it's i mean there's certainly uh value there but but for myself i mean I'm, I'm taking a course in the brahma sutra through uh through the university right now they're teaching online um and uh that's and it's really nice to have that um that perspective being brought to it uh because the brahma sutras if you've ever looked at them are essentially uh they're looked at as uh intellectual arguments for Brahman uh for the the absolute um, but are uh, actually a list of recognitions of in unity consciousness in the third stage of enlightenment, um, where essentially there, with unity there is an initial shift where you recognize that not only am I the, the cosmic self within, but the, the cosmic self is also kind of like the movie screen on which the world, the world is playing out. Mm-hmm. And um, those are the same self and it's a, an internal recognition, and they come together into one wholeness, um, hence unity. And um, But it's a progressive, because then you go out and you experience your life, and you see, oh, that is also myself, and oh, that is also myself, and all the layers of experience are gradually integrated into one wholeness, which the Brahma Sutra calls the aggregate. And so, essentially, the text is listing not a series of intellectual understandings, but um, a series of recognitions in experience. And they understand this in this course. And so that's really valuable because most uh, essentially any translations I've seen, see them as as, I mean, Shankara did a commentary on the Brahma Sutra, and that is intellectual arguments uh, about the, the validity of it. Uh, but the, the text itself is not an intellectual argument. It's a, a recognitions of the intellect of nature of reality. So it's an experiential thing again, uh, somewhat like I was talking about with the uh, Rick Bade. Um, so, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of possibilities out there. There are some very good teachers, um, but there's a lot of uh, noise level, so to speak. Uh, I've spoken at the Science and Non-Duality Conference um, in California several times, and i um, the, uh, I, what I found is that the popular teachers um, and the, the main line speakers, some of them are are, are self-realized, but the, there are a number of them there, for example, deny anything further. There's a single awakening, and any talk of stages is either a concept that's a barrier or is a delusion. <laughs> um and, uh, so it's an interesting, uh, I mean, I didn't even bother going there at first because it was, that was quite entrenched early on. Uh, but gradually more and more people have unfolded these further stages. And so, um, it's become more and more accepted as, as, as a potential. And so, um, the, essentially the, the community became open to, uh, talk of, of stages, um, further stages. So it's, a uh, it's an interesting dynamic but but you know the key of course is is resonance you know i um it, it, it's an interesting thing you know uh, for example I, I found that i really valued uh, jashanti's uh books he has a couple of books where he talks about the transition after awakening you know talking about the unpacking and so on that i was talking about earlier and some of the the, the things that can happen for people um and uh but I don't resonate with him as a teacher, but I really value his books. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, you know, I've seen Ganga ji a couple of times and as, as a teacher and I have a strong resonance with her, but I don't resonate at all with her teaching, her, her approach. Uh, probably because I have a strong intellect and and uh, want to go into a lot more detail where she avoids that. Uh, yeah. She doesn't want to create concepts. Um, but it's kind of like this, this debate. I mean, do you, a person is, on a, is traveling on the road, do you give them a map or do you deny them the map because they may, they may confuse the map with the journey? Um, and it's kind of this debate because I know just from feedback I get from people when I, that um, people do get confused sometimes by my writing. Um, and uh, I'm primari- primarily a writer and, um, and uh, have a large blog. And, um, so I get people running to me saying that they've, they've had their unity consciousness shift and they're, they're in the, um, third stage of enlightenment, but, um, they haven't actually woken up yet. So, uh, you know, that they're kind of, you know, the ego has kind of gotten involved and, and tried to make, you know, make, make themselves special and, and, and so on. So there is that, that hazard with talking about it, but. On the other hand, there is a lot of people who are uh, awakening these days, and uh, and so it's really valuable for them to understand the potential and, and to bring context to some of what's unfolding. Because it's it's all natural, but if you have no background or understanding um, of what's happening uh, when your reality is shifting, there can be an a, a inclination to resist it in some way, or to think it's wrong, or... Uh, Uh, or not know how to support it properly so that it it, uh, settles in uh, and is integrated properly. So that's where it's really valuable is for for people for whom it's unfolding. But it's also valuable for people who are studying this stuff because it it gives context to so much of this um, where, you know, like for someone to say uh, they're they're a new Advaita or they're an Advaita teacher of non-duality But to deny, not duality, (laughs) because self-realization itself is actually known in in, uh, Advaita as duality, Advaita, uh, because uh, there's a duality of experience. There's the inner self is awake to itself, but we're still experiencing a separate world. Now, a lot of them in the neo-advaita community will will say, "Oh, the world is an illusion, and so we don't have to pay attention to that. There's just this one internal uh, oneness within." But it, but it actually, uh, it's still there. It's still in the experience, and so yeah. it may be experienced as illusion, but that's actually a stage of a quality of uh, a stage of development. It's not the nature of reality itself. Um, when just to explain that briefly, when, when um, the, there, there's, there's this concept of three gunas or subtle qualities in the Vedic tradition that underlie everything. And when tamas guna is inertia, essentially, uh, is dominant in the experience, we experience the world around us as solid and real. And that's most people. Yeah. Uh, when we do spiritual practices, uh, it tends to culture uh, rajas or fire of transformation, so we go through transformative things. We There's healing, there's openings, and so on like that taking place. And when rajas is dominant, we can experience the world as illusory. So it seems to be just an, an appearance. Uh, what's real is, is the inner experience rather than the outer experience. It kind of flips. And then uh, as we go further along in the spiritual progress, then uh, sattva becomes dominant. Um, purity or clarity. Excuse me. And, um, and then we experience the world as divine play, kind of the, the, the unfolding of, of uh, the, our inner nature. And so it's not seen as illusory in the same way. Um, so each of those are perspectives based on, on the, the quality of our experience. And you, know, re- looping back to what I was talking about earlier, um, there's a lot of people who are having that uh, initial awakening. Uh, but if there isn't enough sattva being developed, then there isn't the refinement of perception and the awakening heart taking place. Because the, the, uh, some practices do culture, um, like mindfulness, will culture um, the uh, awareness of consciousness uh, and of our observing nature. Um, but they don't have a healing quality because we're not uh, transcending and going and uh, settling the physiology uh, there isn't the healing taking place and because also we're, we're dropping through the layers uh, towards consciousness uh, in the practice, um, we very, very gradually become more and more conscious of those layers and, and that culture is refinement of perception. Um, so that's the value of, of uh, another value of uh, of a practice of, of samadhi transcending. Anyways, I'm kind of wandering around there. <laughs>
3: The name of the university that you're talking
2: about. Oh, it's about in called Iowa. Uh, yeah, it's called Maharishi International University. MIU. Uh, miu.edu Thank you.
0: Since we're about at the end of the session, um, huh. do any of you have any uh, logistical questions or questions about class? Or obviously, questions for David. You, you guys are kind of tame today. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, Mon- on Monday, I couldn't shut you up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's kind of a big download here. Um, I, I did, did want to mention my website is uh, davidya.ca. So it's davidya.ca. Uh, there's lots of articles and so on uh, exploring these these topics in, in more detail. And I'll give you
0: that information also. Thank you. Um, any other questions or comments? Screams, grunts, groans, cries of anguish, peals of joy, any of that? The usual.
1: Oh, He answered it uh, as I was about to ask it. I was going to ask for the
3: website.
0: Oh, good
2: thank you for the questions it's good questions
0: yeah. thank you so much for the talk Dave for talking to oh you're welcome uh, I was gonna say thank you so much
1: for taking the time and talking to us it's been very interesting
0: oh thank yeah. you I, I think I you're could welcome. have just I could have just uh, gone on listening to you talk the whole time about the Vedic traditions um
2: they, yeah it's very rich as as yeah, but, mentioned. That's
0: one, that's one of the things I was wondering about like with, with some of the stuff you were talking about later is that given given that in in the in this part of the world this is a fairly recent phenomenon of people sort of waking up it seems that the richness of the traditions of india could be very helpful there and maybe maybe should be
2: but they also there needs to be a bit of a revival as i mentioned because there is that um tendency to to you know view it as as something hard you know and um and, you know, taking a long, long time and, you know, lifetimes of, of, of practice, of hard practices to get anywhere and so on. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, I just meant in terms of, you know, what we might call the science of yoga or the science of Vedic, Yeah. You know.
2: But there is a revival taking place because it is how, hap- you know, it, it, people are getting results and, and yeah. talking about what worked for them, like, you know, we're doing today. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you again so much.